It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, October 29th, the No Candy for You edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry eight, Oliver six, and Teddy who's four. And I'm located in Navarre, Florida. And I would love to believe that this is the final time I would say this, but it's 2020 and I am once again under a tropical storm hurricane slash watch. And on Thursday, I will know my fate. So while you're listening to this, uh, hopefully the storm has passed over us. Hopefully the storm will pass over once again, Elizabeth. Hi, my name is Jamila Lemieux. I am a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, host of Slate's The Kids Are Asleep Evening Chat Show, and mom to Naima, who is seven, and we live in Los Angeles, California. Hi there, my name is Isaac Butler. I am a writer and theater director and Slate contributor, and I co-host Slate's Working Podcast. But I also happen to be the father to Iris, who is six years old. Isaac, thanks so much for stepping in while Dan's out this week. Uh, It's a great pleasure. I love doing this show, so it's nice to be back. Well, we've got a special Halloween episode this week. Jamil and Isaac, are you guys into Halloween? I have plans. I'm going to dress up as Megan Thee Stallion for my friend's Zoom party and do karaoke on Saturday night. But in terms of her costume, you know, they're doing like a little costume party at school on Zoom. Naima does costumes. I make them pretty much every year. We've done Beyonce when she first emerged with her twin babies uh, (laughs) wrapped in beautiful pastel colored fabric. We recreated that. Um, Another year, I was Beyonce's mom and she was Beyonce. She was Beyonce from the uh, Coachella homecoming performance with the sweatshirt and the funny boots. So I was hoping we'd go in that direction again. Um, But Naima wants to be Kamala Harris. Aside from it being a little bit boring, I have to admit, uh, as the creative designer here, didn't leave me a lot of options. It's extremely hard to find a girl's pantsuit. (laughs) I had to order one from the UK. And I'm also stressing at the idea of possibly having to straighten her hair for the first time. Because we do commitment. We our costumes are accurate. So <laughs> Kamala doesn't wear two little ponytails, so uh nor will Naima on that day. But yeah, I I'm into it. I just I think I'm just in the cosplay and it gives me an opportunity to do cosplay and to force cosplay on my child. Amazing. Amazing. I I enjoy Halloween. I think it's I'm not super into it. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not against it. I don't think it's like a satanic thing or anything. I'm just uh, it, it's never been like a huge passion for me, but it is an enormous passion for my wife and my daughter Anne is the kind of person who would hand make her own costumes every year. And we always had these dreams of couples costumes we were going to do. And then I was always like rehearsing on Halloween for a show or something and couldn't actually do it or teaching or, you know, something always got in the way. So we've actually never done one. Iris, you know, her ideal entertainment is both spooky and goofy at the same time. She loves Vampirina. She loves Scooby-Doo, Roll Doll. That's the kind of thing she really enjoys. So she 
absolutely loves Halloween. I think she would love it even if there was no candy involved, but the fact that there's enormous amounts of candy involved sort of like only really like urge her passion to new heights. That's awesome. Yeah. Iris and Oliver need to meet. He's my middle one. And he's also like in that spooky, goofy, like that is his genre and has been so excited about Halloween. And we do usually do like family costumes and one kid, we picked a name out of the hat for who gets to decide who's coming up with the theme. And then I make all the costumes. But this year we live in this little neighborhood that does all these big Halloween things. And we decided that the best thing to do would to be just not be here because since we're in Florida, they are going about their Halloween plans as normal. So we have planned hurricane pending a camp Oween. I booked us a campsite and we, I bought all these like ghosts to hang around the campsite and we are going to go and do all kinds of things. And in lieu of costumes, I made us all glow in the dark shirts. And <laughs> so uh, we have, I have sort of like relocated our, our Halloween and the kids seem okay with that. It was kind of easier to just like say, well, we're not doing any of the normal Halloween things. We'll just have this be a totally different experience. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We live in Brooklyn and in our area, there's like pretty intense buy-in to masking and not going about your daily life. So I thought that telling Iris we weren't going to be able to do trick-or-treating this year was going to be a bigger deal than it wound up being because she loves it so much. But she was like upset for a little bit. And now she's like, well, next year when the coronavirus is over, we could do trick-or-treating. I'm not going to ruin that hope. Um, So I'm just like, yes, yes. Hold on to that. Hold on to next year. Hold on to next year. So now we're like planning some outdoor stuff, you know, at a park where there will be separate picnic blankets with her friends from school. You know, we're we're just trying to do outdoor stuff that feels special and Halloween-y that isn't actually trick-or-treating because no one's doing that right now. Yeah, I mean, that's the route we went to, just like make this a different experience. And all three of the kids kind of just bought into the like, oh yeah, it's 2020. So this is not going to be normal. We know that so much of the holiday has been curved by COVID. So we've got some ideas in the episode about how you can celebrate safely. We'll be answering a question about a kid who normally loves dressing up for Halloween, but wants nothing to do with it this year. Then we've got a question about how to handle all the candy, especially now. And as always, we will have triumphs, fails, and recommendations. So Isaac, do you have a triumph or fail for your return to mom and dad are fighting? I think I'm going to say that it's a triumph, but the triumph is just like, I mean, you got to take the victories where you can in this year, right? Like this year, it's like the fact that life is pretty normal right now feels like a huge triumph. Like she's going to school. We have these outdoor play dates with friends where we're like dousing them with hand sanitizer every five seconds. And they wear 12 masks or what? No, they only wear one mask, but you know, and just being able to do that and to have like some semblance of a normal life back has just been, it's been really huge. You know, we were really isolated for like five months. And so Iris being able to actually see her friends and not rely solely on us for all of her entertainment and and, and social needs and stuff has been really, really incredible. And I think part of that has been, and this is the real triumph, is like, I feel at this moment, we're really trying to set reasonable expectations for ourselves 
of what we can actually accomplish as parents. I don't think I'm like being the best parent in the universe right now, to be completely honest. You know, I've got a book due in two weeks. I've there's the election. There was a strike at her school. There is the the pandemic. You know, there's all this other stuff going on. And and the fact that we're like doing pretty good, that it's like a, you know, like that that feels actually like a huge, huge victory right now. So that might be a kind of boring triumph, but I think it's a real triumph and it's important to recognize when you succeed at anything right now, frankly. It's such a good reminder for this time, too, that we can have successes amongst like kind of a global failure or at least a U.S. failure, right? That it's okay to like be having these small successes of just like, we're doing okay amidst the chaos. Like uh, our little family is is hanging in there and that is a small success and and that's great. I'm a big fan of expectation management. I think uh, low expectations are the key to success. So that's good. I like that. (laughs) So Jamila, how about you? Triumph or fail? This week I have a triumph. It was not an easy one for me, but you know, my literary agent and I have been working for five years on a book proposal, five years. Uh, We've changed directions a number of times. So it's not just that, you know, in five years we couldn't get a book (laughs) proposal done. You know, we changed directions a few times. There are a number of drastic life changes on my end, on her end. Her father became very ill and would pass away. So it just hasn't been a a super easy process. But like for the last few months, we've been kind of like, okay, we think we're kind of at the end. We've got something, you know, it just needs to tighten up. And like she called me last week and she says, we're distilling five years of work into the next eight days. Like we're getting this thing done. I want to sell it. I want to move on from it. And I'm like, okay, great. I mean, I kind of needed the like constant nagging from her that I'm getting now. It doesn't work well for me for other people, but like from her specifically, I'm like, I kind of needed her in my ear, like, right, right, do this, think about that. And so I've sent my child away till Friday and then she, we're going to do Halloween stuff for a night and then she's going to go back away for a few more days. But I've like isolated myself. I haven't been answering text messages and DMs from most people or I've been doing it slowly. I've been largely offline. I, at some point, um, I am going to go 100% offline. I just kind of needed to be connected to the internet for some work stuff this week. And it's also just hard, like eight days from election. I'm, part of me is like, you couldn't have decided to do this two months ago. You know, like I'd have gladly have been able to look away for the election and everything then. But now it's like, uh, you know, but um, it was very hard for me, even though Naima's dad and stepmother have never said no if I wanted to like change a date or ask them to, you know, keep her a few extra days or whatever. Like we've always been able to work things out, even if there was like a negotiation involved. But it's still hard for me, like, you know, especially now that we have her 50-50, right? Because in the past, she was still with me the majority of the time. So if I asked her to do some extra time with them, you know, she still was with me the majority of the time. Now that our time is balanced, you know, I, I had this whole script in my head of like, what, she can't take care of her kid? You know, like, why does she need us to do that? And I know that's not who they are. It's not how they have treated me. But, you know, I, I couldn't help but to, you know... I feel that way. And also hearing my mother's voice in my ear, knowing how complicated and difficult it would be for me to explain to her that Naima was going to be gone for a week, maybe 10 days. And, you know, that was just something that I had to do um, because my mother never spent 10 days away from me. I don't think ever once. But the conversation with her dad went extremely well. We cried. I mean, he gave, you know, like some really 
great encouragement, you know, and affirmed, I know how much you want to do this. Like, if you do this, you're only going to make things better for Naima. Just get it done. She'll be here. You can call, she'll call you twice a day. She has not called me <laughs> twice a day, but, you know, um, <laughs> it, it's so it's, it's been interesting, you know, and again, like, it's only been a few days, so it's not like I'm unused to being separated from her for a few days, but this is going to stretch on a little bit longer than, you know, I've been away from her in a while. And the difference between us doing this, you know, in 2019 and doing it now is that I had interaction with the rest of the world. So like if she was gone, there was still everyone else. And she's kind of it for me to some extent, you know, in terms of people I see in person. So there's a little bit of weirdness there too, but it's a triumph because I finally broke down and did. I knew, I knew I wasn't going to get this thing done if I didn't take a real break. I just didn't have the courage to say to anybody, I need time off. I need a break. I think that's a wonderful triumph that you're Thank like you. doing this thing and you're doing it and then you're going to end with Halloween and Naima and it's going to yeah. be awesome. That's so great. I'm so, Thank I'm so you. happy for you. It's, 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 it's really amazing. Thank you. I think it's great. Well, I am going to claim a success for myself, but in doing that, I'm going to sell out my husband, Jeff, because his failure leads to my success. We went on a canoe trip this weekend. Some of you will remember that at the beginning of the pandemic, I took the kids um, or attempted to take the kids on a float and there was not enough water in the river for us to float. So we just sat on the tubes. Okay. So I revisited the same place, but now there's enough water to canoe. It's too cold to tube and there's been too much like debris falling into the river. So we rented canoes and our family rented two canoes. We thought, no big deal. Now, Jeff is like a former Eagle Scout, like does all this outdoorsy stuff. And so he was like, well, I will take, you know, Teddy, the four-year-old who is a you know, just problem. Took him and my oldest child, Henry, who has some anxiety about this entire situation, like going on the river, all of this. I took just Oliver, who said, I don't plan to paddle. I'm just going to sit in the front of this canoe. And I was like, all right. So we get on the river and things are moving. It's, it's kind of narrow where you get on. Things are moving really fast. And there's a bunch of like trees and stuff that we have to kind of navigate around in this first part. Jeff's like, go ahead of me. That way I can see you. I'm like, okay. I go ahead and I just hear like, splash and screaming and I turn around and Jeff's canoe has completely capsized. He like has Teddy oh, no. by the life jacket. Henry is like floating down the stream, but manages to like right himself and get to the side. The paddles have gone askew. He has our cooler, like everything is a mess. And I just like pull the canoe up onto the shore and like tell Oliver stay seated, which was his plan all along. So no problem. I like hop out, run through the water over to where he is, get the canoe. The like one time I did canoe in, uh, you know, at camp, I had learned to like flip it over and get under it and empty the water. And I was able to do that. <laughs> so we get everything back out. Lunch was completely ruined. The, the cooler had filled with water. Um, oh, my. I packed myself a salad in a zip top bag. Jeff had packed everybody else's in tinfoil. So my salad was also completely fine. But everybody else's zip top sandwich, <laughs> like sandwiches in the tinfoil gone. But as we're kind of reorganizing, because you can't, you know, we have to complete the trip. Like we've left where they dropped us off and our car is at the finish. All the kids now want to be in my canoe. Like they have zero sense oh, that dad no. is safe or the proper person to navigate this, oh, ri no. this river with. So we, we did eventually get people back in the canoe. But for a brief moment, I was like the person who knew what I was doing and was cool under pressure and did not swamp the canoe. So I'm taking it as a as a huge success as a result of my husband's failure. That is a huge success because you won. I did win. I mean, you won the canoe race. <laughs> 
it's a sweeter triumph when it comes at the expense of your spouse. Yeah, and everybody was fine, exactly. And he can take a good, you know, if he hadn't bolstered himself up to be this big outdoorsman, I wouldn't have to rub it in, but he did. So that's where we are. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Well, before we move on, let's do the business. Tune in tonight, Thursday, October 22nd, to Jamila's Slate Live show, The Kids Are Asleep. She'll be joined by Slate's very own Alicia Montgomery. Tune in at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll have links to Slate's YouTube and Facebook pages in our show notes or check it out at slate.com slash live. You can also find all her past episodes there as well. So make sure you check those out. We've got a lot of amazing parenting content coming at you these days, and Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified about everything, including mom and dad are fighting, the kids are asleep, ask a teacher, care and feeding, and much, much more. Plus, it's just a fun personal email from Dan each week, so sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. Want even more parenting advice? Join our parenting group on Facebook. It's super active. We also moderate it so it doesn't get too out of control. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook. In Slate Plus, since we're talking about Halloween costumes, we're going to recap some of our personal favorite Halloween costumes and also talk about the costumes we wished we could find in stores. Here's a quick sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. And it cut off just below my knees, and so I just fell constantly. I'd just be walking along (laughs) trick-or-treating and then just face plant. To hear segments like that and get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year. It's a great way to support all of your favorite Slate podcasts, and you won't hit a paywall on the site, so you can keep up with all of Slate's journalism. So if you'd like to support Mom and Dad are Fighting, go to slate.com slash plus and join Slate Plus today. All right, we're back. Let's get into our first listener question. It's being read by the fantastic Shasha Leonard. Hi, Mom and Dad. I'm a mom of an eight and a six-year-old. My eight-year-old has never loved dressing up or putting on costumes. He's played along and dressed up for Halloween in the past, but this year, he wants nothing to do with it. I know this year will be a weird year, and we probably won't do much trick-or-treating, but I'm still not sure how to handle this situation this year or in future years. If he doesn't dress up, do we tell him he can't go trick-or-treating? It feels wrong to force him to dress up if he doesn't want to, but 
it also feels wrong to take him trick-or-treating without a costume. What do you think? My short answer is, of course, he can't go trick-or-treating without a costume. Like, that's the deal. If you're going to participate, there's a price of admission, and the price of admission is wearing a costume. That's just part of the social contract of, of Halloween, period. But my somewhat longer and more helpful answer is, is two things. One, I'm actually unsure from the letter how much the kid likes trick-or-treating at all, because the, mm-hmm. the letter says he's played along and dressed up for Halloween, but this year wants nothing to do with it. He might not actually care that he doesn't go trick-or-treating, particularly since you might not actually be going trick-or-treating. So this might all be a moot point. But I wouldn't think of it as forcing him to wear a costume so much as giving him a choice and agency in the situation. It's up to him. If he wants to wear a costume and go trick-or-treating, that's great. And if he doesn't want to wear a costume, then he won't go trick-or-treating. And that way, it's really about empowering him to have the time that he wants to have and make the choices be the kind of person he wants to be. And it's less about coercing him into doing what you may want him to do, which is, you know, like I, I understand that it's the same process either way, but I think the more it can be framed as the agency thing instead of the coercion thing, the better, but absolutely not. Can't go trick or treating without a costume. I agree that it's important that uh, you don't accidentally slip into the habit of coercing your child to do something they don't want to do. Something like trick or treating, right? It's not like trying to convince him to get a flu shot or to brush his teeth. Maybe he's not into trick-or-treating either. I, You know, this might really be no big deal. Uh, hopefully there's, you know, another adult in the house who can keep an eye on him while you all do some hopefully distance and brief uh, trick-or-treating. And he doesn't have to participate in that. And the six-year-old can share a piece of candy or two as they see fit. But of course, without the pressure that, you know, this is our candy or, you know, that the eight-year-old is going to pick the good pieces. Um, but I'd also ask, like, what is it about dressing up that you don't enjoy? Because it could be the costume options that have been put before them. Like, if it seems like the only way to do Halloween is to dress up as a superhero or a goblin or, you know, some sort of creepy macabre thing and maybe he wants to be you know i don't know joe biden or something (laughs) you know like perhaps perhaps he wants to be uh you know somebody from pop culture uh that wouldn't necessarily be on your list or he wants to dress up as a whole historical figure i don't know i mean i think you should also like talk to him and try to expand his kind of understanding of what it means to dress up for halloween that there are a lot of options he may not have considered it could be dressing up for the occupation you want it could be you know doing something that's kind of cheeky and you know i'm trying to think of some sort of pun right where it's (laughs) like the costume's not literal but it's a play on words of some sort but yeah it just sounds to me like you have a kid who's not really into halloween which is not the worst thing but um Yeah, as long as you're firm that like dressing up is part of the ritual of going trick or treating and that he's not being punished for choosing not to dress up. It's just simply that when you open your door and you give candy to strange kids, you are looking to see a costume from those kids who are able to put together a costume. And since he is able to have one, uh, he wouldn't have excuse for not having one. Yeah, I agree that you have to like play by the rules to play. But I was also thinking like, 
we were kind of lucky this year, like one less kid who's upset about it. So I would rejoice, take that as a win. I also think that because he's eight, like we're definitely inching towards an age in which Halloween's going to become more about like hanging out with your friends and what can you Mm -hmm. go do. And so looking forward, can you think about other opportunities to use this? Like, is this his whole social group doesn't want to do this? And maybe next year instead, you know, assuming we're at a place where we can celebrate safely, can you have a group over to do something at your house instead to kind of enjoy this social opportunity? to be social and grow those friendships or do they want to go like Jamila said is that some kind of funny witty costume I feel like as boys approach that age they also really like you know something that's a little like Halloween's an excuse that you can be kind of like potty humor and and things like that that they find funny so are there options going forward I mean this year I would just be like you want to sit here watch a movie cool (laughs) but yeah in terms of actually giving like going to door and getting candy if he wants to walk around and do that he has to wear a costume um this did kind of remind me about like i i know people always say like is are you too old to ever go trick-or-treating what do you guys think about that like is there an age at which you can't be trick-or-treating anymore i don't know when i worked at book court r.i.p it went out of business a few years ago uh uh, here in brooklyn you know in in brooklyn kids go to stores for candy as you know as much as they do to their neighbors and i just remember a couple times there were like 16 year olds sort of in some thrown together bullshit (laughs) being like trick-or-treat and because we were a business i felt like i had to give the candy but i was like you are really too old to be doing this and i understand that actually like you're trying to do something kind of transgressive here by barely putting in the effort and being too old and still getting candy and that that's actually part of the thrill i don't know is it once you're teens is it teenagers that's too that's too old i certainly had stopped trick-or-treating by the time I was 13, I would think. You know, middle school is around that age where it kind of shifts. Like Elizabeth was saying, you know, even at eight, you're starting to trend toward the idea that I want to spend this day with my friends as opposed to my mommy's going to take me (laughs) trick-or-treating. By the time you're 11 or 12, you all may be able to go out in a group with those friends by yourself, unsupervised, or perhaps, you know, you guys are keeping after some younger kids. But when I see 15 or 16 year olds and when I lived in New York, I definitely did like seeing, you know, the ones that were well costumed and had actually put some thought and effort into their, you know, looks. And they were just simply being outside having fun. It didn't seem that they were necessarily trick or treating as much as they were, you know, some of them uh, perhaps getting into some general mischief and others just being teenagers outside at night on a school night when you typically wouldn't be able to do that. I I want teenagers to have an activity that goes beyond trick-or-treating. I think, uh, you know, 11 or 12-year-old is one thing, but I don't really want a 15-year-old who, you know, very well may have a job. Um, <laughs> Coming around for some candy. Asking for some candy. You should be like ordering a pizza and watching a horror movie with your friends. That's exactly Yeah, I also agree. I, I mean, I agree with that. Although in practice, if you show up at my door and you have a costume on, I'm going to give you handy. So, you know. <laughs> I'm unlikely to ask your age. Anyway, I was just I was curious because this mom is sure to have other other problems like that in the future. So, well, good luck. And we hope to hear if he decides to dress up. Send us a picture. If you have a question for us, send it our way. Email us at momanddad at slate.com or post it on our Facebook group. On to our second listener question. It's being read by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. What Halloween ideas do you all have for an almost three-year-old on a strict diet for medical reasons during a pandemic? Every event for kids has candy being handed out, and I just feel it would be cruel to take him when he wouldn't be allowed to have the treats, 
Plus, the social distancing is hard for kids too young to understand why. We really, really, really love Halloween. And he loves pumpkins, but doesn't love structured activities. So aside from carving a pumpkin at home in our costumes, what should we do? Honestly, I think that Halloween is one of those events in our lives that I think we're going to have to really reevaluate and just remind ourselves that this is not the most important holiday. This is not something that is going to devastate our children for the rest of their lives if they don't get to really have a great celebration of it um, and to adjust accordingly. So if your little one is on a special diet or if you're, I wasn't sure if it was dietary restrictions or simply restricting the ability to eat candy handed off by strangers during a pandemic, which is a reasonable concern, but either way, it just sounds like trick-or-treating is not the right activity for your family this year. If being socially distanced from the other kids out there is going to cause him upset, if not being able to eat the candy is going to cause him upset, then I think this would be a lot worse than if you simply try to come up with an experience that you can have in your home that is safe and, and allows you to, you know, check off the boxes that you need to these days when it comes to entertaining your child. You can create or purchase some healthy snacks. I'm sure Elizabeth probably has some really great ideas for some blanking at the moment. I'm like, there's always those peanut butter cookies that you make that's literally just peanut. Was it just yeah. peanut butter? And eggs, I think, maybe flour too. No, no flour, just like peanut butter, sugar, and eggs. Yes, like you can make some very simple peanut butter cookies and you can use black pipe cleaners and raisins to decorate them like little, you know, like they've got tentacles coming out of them or something. You can rent some scary movies uh, that are age appropriate. You can come up with cool costumes to wear as a family and wear them in the house. You can look up drive through Halloween experiences and see if there are any in your area. I know there's a lot out here uh, in California where, you know, at no point for some of them, you never get out of the car. You know, you're just touring um, Halloween decorations and some of them have scary things that jump out at you and bump and you feel like you're having a real Halloween excursion as opposed to just kind of driving around in the car. But um, yeah, this year can't be like other years because this year is not like other years and that's okay. And your your son will deal with that. And I don't think that, um, you know, you didn't mention that Halloween is typically the most significant, meaningful uh, observance <laughs> of the year for your family. So I'm hoping that it's not. And I, I think that just playing things kind of low this year will be more than sufficient. Yeah, I mean the the good news here is that the kid your your son is 3, right? So like he's not going to actually remember what he did this night, you know, in like 2 years. He will have no memory of it whatsoever. So he's not going to know what he's not missing, which is the great news. So just I say this as a way of, of telling the questioner that like you can just you don't have to be so hard on yourself. It's not going to create lasting trauma. You haven't ruined Halloween. It's it's just just figure out how to have a good time with your kid that night. I think all of Jamila's recommendations are really, really great ideas. I think that, you know, you can call a friend up on Zoom or, you know, uh, you can watch a movie, the drive through experiences, making things. The uh, one thing that we're doing uh, is having a pinata 
You would have to fill it not with the candy that you don't want your kid to have, but you could fill it with other fun things. There's all sorts of stuff you can do to make this special that doesn't have to do with uh, his participating in a ritual he actually has no familiarity with anyway and isn't going to remember. So I I think that you're going to come up with something great and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Just don't beat yourself up too much about it. Isaac, I love that advice because our three-year-old, well, now he's four, but um, is like game for anything. And he only has an idea of like what's coming because his older brothers, you know, know what's coming. So I think you have this opportunity to make Halloween whatever it's going to look like for you. And assuming that the candy thing is some kind of lasting situation, then this is a good time to go ahead and kind of set up the boundaries for that. I know we have that problem with Henry. Um, He's my oldest child who suffers from pandas. And one of the things we do to help with that is uh, some really pretty strict dietary stuff. So we have just from the get-go and learning that diet was going to be part of this have just said like, listen, candy can't be part of, you know, how you celebrate this. In years past, he's gone trick-or-treating and we do a candy trade-in for a Lego set or something else when he gets home. And he knows, like, usually we'll have a couple treats that he can have that he gets to kind of eat right then. The other kids pick out a few candies. Everybody trades stuff in for some kind of toy or an experience or something else we're doing. And then um, there are a bunch of places that collect that candy and actually send it. And as far as I can tell, a lot of that is still happening. But things like um, treats for troops, which is run by Soldiers Angels, and they actually send the candy out to deployed service members. There are also um, groups, I think there's one called Operation Gratitude, that gives it to first responders. And then if you have a Ronald McDonald house in your area, they also usually collect it to have it just like available. So if the activity, we always have thought of it in years past as like the activity is going out and collecting candy and going to door to door. And that's really fun. And it's fun for Henry and to do as a family. So we go do that. But then when we get home, it's kind of like, okay, well, the thing that we collected is not something that we can have. So we're going to send that to someone who can use it. And here's what we have for you as a replacement treat. So I think there are options. We've done that enough now that our kids actually don't know any different. Like when they talk to their friends, they say like, well, in our house, we send our candy off to people who are deployed and we get this Lego set or whatever, this other little toy um, that we like. In terms of, I thought you guys came up with like some great ideas. I had pinata on my list and making like simple cookies. So I think all of that is so fun. And as usual, I have made kind of a ridiculous list to go through, but we're going camping, like I said, which is a super fun, like you could, if you're not going to go out, put up your tent in the backyard and just have a fun little spooky camping, you know, something that you wouldn't normally do. It's a full moon. So if you have a telescope or you just want to like go out and observe the moon, I think it's a great night to do some like spooky astronomy um, Mm -hmm. and just kind of looking. A bunch of the planets are out now too. So that can be a really fun um, educational experience. There's apps for all of that. So you can just download, you don't have to know anything. You just go out there with the app and everyone will have a good time. Also, like, think about doing, like, a mini pumpkin hunt around your house. You can stuff your Easter eggs with anything and draw little faces on them or just be like, it's an Easter hunt at Halloween. Yay. Um, You can put them in the backyard and have them or in a dark room and have them search for them for flashlights. Like, I just feel like Halloween is ripe for, like, any kind of fun activity done in the dark or done with glow sticks. Like, woohoo. Uh, We also are doing a pinata, but I had the kids make them from grocery store paper bags and we stuff them full of the kind of like gummy little fruit gummy snacks and things that we can have. I um, also put some crackers in there, which a 
like they're definitely going to beat to smithereens but oh well Uh, the crackers are wrapped (laughs) so uh, (laughs) i also printed out some activity sheets and crumpled them up and we put them in there (laughs) so that when they pop it there's something to do i don't know but just anything to kind of keep them occupied and make it feel special and i think just know like whatever you do can be like the thing your family did this year or it can be like the thing that we always did because we did it this one year like you never know what that's going to be that your kids talk about or do with their children or do with their friends like here's this wacky thing we did this one year that was so fun we did again so i think again have like really low expectations set something fun up and just be like this is going to be fun and it will be Well, thank you so much for the question. Hopefully our advice helped. If you want us to help you, you can send your questions or conundrum to slate.com or do what this listener did and post it on Facebook. All right. Well, let's move on to recommendations. This is a section where we tell you some things that we like. Jamila, what do you have for us today? So I am recommending uh, an album by Open Mike Eagle, who was a guest on The Kids Are Asleep a few weeks ago. Mike is a rapper, comedian, content creator, owns his own record label. I mean, he's a one-man band in so many ways. He's so creative and he's so talented. He had uh, last year a show on Comedy Central called uh, The New Negroes that, you know, was very exciting for him and um, for his fans, of course. There were billboards. There's one near his house. And the show ended up getting canceled. And in the same year, he divorces from his wife. And now he's facing 40 and he's uh, been making uh, I mean he's been rapping since he was a kid essentially but has been doing it professionally since he was 30 and so he's got like 10 albums at this point most of them are fun and irreverent and you know he talks about societal issues but he also talks a lot about anime and games and you know silliness and humor and this is the first album where he really goes you know into his own issues and it is such a beautiful it's just a really refreshing take on the devastation of the dissolution of a marriage and, you know, what it means to be heartbroken professionally. And and overall, what I related most to it, um, even though I'm slightly younger and our circumstances are a little bit different, just feeling like you know where your life is going. You're, you're on one path, you're doing something, it's working for you. And then, you know, the next thing you know, that part of your life has changed drastically. You know, something has been taken away, a relationship has ended, a career opportunity has ended, and just being forced to kind of figure out what comes next. And the closer you get to 40, figuring out what comes next becomes a little bit more daunting and and perhaps something that you weren't preparing for in the way uh, that you were prepared for it at 30. And in all of that, it manages to be hilarious. It's, I mean, if you're into rap music, it's very well produced. He's a great MC, but it's also hilarious. There's a song called The Black Mirror Episode Ruined My Marriage. <laughs> and it's a cheeky take on, you know, and he doesn't say which episode. I walked away from the album not knowing the details of their divorce or why exactly they were breaking up. Um, I didn't feel like I needed to. I felt like it communicated these very universal human themes of love, loss and suffering uh, in a way that didn't break me down or make me sad. It it somehow still made me encouraged and really inspired by just a really well put together piece of art. So the album is called Anime Trauma Divorce, and it is available wherever you stream music by Open Mike Eagle. It's been doing really well on Spotify, and I think you should check it out. That sounds great. 
Isaac, how about you? I am going to go with a recommendation that I think is for the the adults and their teenagers, perhaps. Let's <laughs> let's let's cap it there. But uh I am one of the the many people at Slate.com who is a big uh, fan of uh, and champion of uh, Heidi Schreck's What the Constitution Means to Me, which is uh, it started as a work of theater. It's a mostly one woman, although there's other characters in it show in which um, Heidi relates the true story of her teenage self participating in these debates about the Constitution uh, as a teenager, in part uh, in order to pay for college for her eventual, you know, um, going to college. But it's about a lot more than that. It is about the Constitution itself. It's about what it means to be a woman in America. It is about what it is to be a teenager with hope for this country's purpose and an adult confronting uh, how disappointing this nation can be. Um, And it's a really, really beautiful, quite feminist meditation on America itself. I absolutely loved it. I'm friends with many people involved with it. So take that with a grain of salt if you want. But I, I absolutely, absolutely loved the show. When it was performing on Broadway, it was filmed by Marielle Heller. She did the, that uh, Mr. Rogers movie and she did Can You Ever Forgive Me? She's an incredible film director and she she filmed it on Broadway and it is now available to stream on Amazon Prime. Even if you watched it already in the theater, watch it again. And if you haven't seen it, there's a great opportunity to do so. And if you have a teenager in the house, I would absolutely recommend sitting down and watching it with them. Um, You'll have a lot of, of really important, I think, conversations provoked by it. And it's also a great work of art. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. We um, streamed it actually to to watch it and and enjoy it and thought it was a great, like just really thought provoking, even for adults, like thought provoking piece that is definitely worth an, an evening. Well, I am recommending a sort of fall thing, which is using a weighted blanket, particularly for your children who have anxiety. I feel like when we lived in the Netherlands, this is something we could use year round. And I was like a huge, it it was like part of our daily life. But being in Florida, we basically have been through the season where it was completely unusable because we were just too hot. And with a little bit cooler weather, I've been able to bring them out again and just remember how great they really are for my kids, particularly, I think when they're picking up on a lot of like my anxiety and my husband anxiety about everything going on plus just like 2020 anxiety um they're just a good way to like settle down my kids even grab them when we're doing read alouds or like if they are just particularly worked up a lot of times they will just get it and the weight um is like just a nice settling thing we got ours from a company called huggeroo that makes one specifically for children and you can go there and make sure it's the right weight because you don't want something um too heavy but they're really great all three of the kids use them and i actually have one too and i think as it comes into fall if that's something you're really craving they really it really does help me like sleep better and and just calm down so weighted blankets for you and your children if if you feel like a a little a little hug is something you you need and are not getting (laughs) it's a good it's a good way good safe covid approved way (laughs) to get to get what you need well that's our show. So one more time, if you have a question, email us at slate.com or post it to the Slate Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe on your personal podcast app of choice so you never miss an episode. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Jamila Lemieux and Isaac Butler, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.